I got into this because I'd had enough. I was fed up, but I got to put my words into action because I felt that at that moment when I spoke to the Board of Supervisors, there was millions of people listening. As I've sort of become a leader in this movement, I've realized that people want nothing more than to get on board to get their freedom back. If my voice gets heard and helps people, then this has all been well worth it. If my kids have a better America to live in, then this is absolutely worth it. I really don't like this stuff. I never wanted to be part of a production or a movie or, you know, I'd rather be out in the fields fighting somebody. This is the way that we fight. If this is the way that we inspire uh, people to move forward and, and to come on board with us, you know, for the win, then I'll be here. So. My fellow Americans. It is time to take our freedom back. We have a special guest today, and it is retired U.S. Army Major Will Osten. He is the founder and CEO of Arc of Justice, which is the nonprofit organization that advocates for wounded warriors who are still on active duty. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself here. Well, it's great to be back with you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me back on. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, so in the, in the context of what we're going to be talking about here, I, I am a founder and CEO of an LLC called Deanneke's Action Group. And uh, if you have to go back and listen to the last podcast, the, the letter I wrote on behalf of, of RWB fighting against the uh, Fair Political Practices Commission and the false allegations that Leonard Modi has lodged against you guys. Um, so I, I do uh, leadership consulting and I am I'm an, an attorney. So uh, any, anywhere there's injustice against uh, the freedoms of the citizenry or, or small businesses, then I, I like to, to put myself in the breach on behalf of organizations like yours. Well, we appreciate it. Heck yeah. Love having some uh, troops to join the fight. That's right. And you're, you're, uh, <clears throat> it sounds like you're quite a historian too. And um, like to talk a lot about the founding of the country and that, that time. And um, I, I really think that what we've been doing here is what the founders intended. You know, they, they talk about, I read where Samuel Adams said that, you know, it's your responsibility as a citizen to be well-read and self-educated. You know, they didn't at that time have a huge university system and stuff, but they expected people to know what was going on. And they gave the reason why in the Bill of Rights, the very first amendment is a free press is they, they expected the press to inform the people of what politicians were doing all the way down the line from the president to the local city, uh, city board member, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I think we really dropped the ball as Americans over the last few years. People just came to, 
you know, trust the press and just go about their lives. They were busy. And um, <clears throat> I think that the big thing with COVID and all that's gone on is that, like Jeremy has said multiple times, is so many people have woke, woken up. And that's that's kind of exciting, really, to be a part of. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, when when we first got started in this, I was just just reading so much from the founding fathers, and the quotes were, you know, I believe Thomas Jefferson said, um, "The people can have this government. Uh, this is not. This is not. This is a paraphrase, but the people can have this government if they're educated and informed." For it will be the people's responsibility to write the the write the course if something goes off the rails, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I feel like I got to a place in early 2020 where I realized I didn't know anything about local politics, and I knew just enough about the federal government that I knew who I wanted to vote for and I voted in every election. But when it came down to like local politics, I voted, but it was always kind of a chore and it was a last minute quick research while the ballots in front of me. And it dawned on me that all of this, you know, we're, I believe our country's like $30 trillion in debt now. And all of that spending is being done on the local level. I mean, there are state, there's a lot of state and federal um, programs, but even the, those programs are being, it's to build a bridge in some county. It's to do something somewhere. And it dawned on me, like, it is our responsibility to know what the heck is going on in our own county. I mean, when I found out our budget, this, I, when I first started researching, our budget was $570 million. This year, it's $600 million. I had no idea. I started telling people that. They said, no. You're kidding me. I'm like, no, that's the actual budget of Shasta County. How's that money being spent? Well, I'll tell you, because I know now mm-hmm. we're informing the public. The public is is becoming very active in it and, you know, finding out which side they want to be on as far as the direction of the county. But that was our whole goal from the beginning. And, you know, this whole FPPC thing is, it to me, it's just, it it's, um, it's discouraging that we have um, a group of a group of guys got together to to basically make a documentary following um, local politics in order to um, inform the public. Because I don't think back when the founding fathers were encouraging um, media and people to be informing the public that the FPPC was knocking all their doors saying, "Hey, you know what's going on." This is kind of a, a newer thing, and it's like, man. What, uh, what, what can't we do now in in this country without having the government say, "Oh, nope, you you can't do that. You can't no, make a documentary." They're regulating us to death yeah, from all are. sides. They are. You know, and it's funny too because um, you know movies are a lot of times based on life. So what we've turned interest into, not that it's all about the entertainment. Obviously, there's principles and moralities that are really driving it for most citizens, but. It's also very entertaining. Like, what? You know, the budget's that much? Yeah, dig in. We spend this much on that. Well, where's that money going? You know, this guy, the supervisor, now that video that's gone viral, you know, that's like a mo- It's like a scripted, I mean, what am I watching in this meeting? You know? Yeah, we just put it's, out a video two days ago 
that was just some highlights from the latest Board of Supervisors meeting. And within two days, I think right now it has 112,000 views on Facebook. And it's growing at, you know, every, every time you look at it, every hour it's up five or 10,000 views. Unbelievable. People are, are engaged right now. People are, they care what's going on. And the reason we chose to do a documentary last February, we were all getting together, you know, weekly and talking politics. And I woke up in the middle of the night, it's probably two in the morning. And I just thought, I love documentaries, even when it's something I don't care about. But but after a while, I start caring about it. Mm-hmm. So I watched documentaries like, I, w- I think I watched every season. It's like nine or ten seasons of Gold Rush. It's this show about these oh, yeah. guys that move from Oregon up to Alaska and start gold mining. And um, and they totally, it's a total disaster. But then after a few <laughs> seasons, they start getting good at it. And um, my wife, she, why are you watching that show? And I'm like. It's real life. Yeah, I'm like. I love this show. She's like, you don't care about gold mining? I'm like, doesn't matter. You yeah. know, I want to find out exactly what they pulled in this week and if they beat th- those guys at their draw or whatever. And I, f- I thought, man, by the end of all these nine seasons, I feel like if somebody had a sleuth on their property I c- and it was beat up and tore up, I could probably get it up and running. <laughs> and so I thought, man, what better way to inspire counties and citizens to to get involved Um and and again, whatever side it is, like get involved. Mm-hmm. And um, well, and I and I think partly why that that little clip went so uh, is going viral. Like Lonnie said outside, he made a good point. Um, that that clip really showed Leonard in his arrogance, mm-hmm. um, in his position. And I think a lot of Americans, even if you're not from around Reading have encountered that from politicians lately, whether it be at a school board meeting or wherever it's at, they've, or an OSHA guy that's came to their business. They've seen this arrogant arrogance in government. They've mm-hmm. lived it. And so now they're like planning department in Shasta County or the yeah. building department, whatever it is. It's they like recognize that. it's it like, too, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, Nope. Episode you two. You can't do that. Right. <laughs> all exactly. in the building department. Yeah. So, I mean, locally, people encounter that all the time in the building department. So, it's familiar for sure. Yeah. And yeah. It's, so, Will, have you seen that clip, Will? Did you watch that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I love what you guys did there. I mean, it, it shows his hubris and his pride. And, I mean, even though there's times where he's saying, you know, sir, ma'am, you know, he's saying, you know, some of the right words that are gentlemanly words, you can just tell, you know, that he is just so sick of the people that elected him, you know, to represent them. Yeah. And when that happens, it's time for somebody to go. Yeah. Yeah. He's been there for 12 years now. I believe it's 12 years. It's time for, for him to go. It's time for new ideas, fresh ideas, innovation. It's time to look at every department in the County and, and actually audit those departments to find out this program we're doing, how much does it cost per person for rehabilitation or something? And I think we're going to find out we have a lot of failed programs. And that's why Shasta County, with a $600 million a year budget, is in like the top, I I believe it's the top 5% of worst crime in America per capita. I think it's, it's, it's more than 10, it's in the 10%, but somebody told me recently it's five. Look it up. True story. Um, We need to do a better job here. And something's not... 
something that we don't have leadership in this county and that's what we we really need right now so i i met will about a year ago when we first were um we first got a letter from the fppc i was searching around for the right attorney and as soon as we started talking i felt like okay this guy fights for for people like us and um he wrote this amazing letter to the fppc and since then we've been talking about um releasing a book and so will and i are dreaming about a book that he will head up um sort of a a field manual um a lot of people say hey i've been watching the red white and blueprint how can i buy the blueprint and i say well the blueprint is the documentary believe it or not because you know you're being entertained which leads into educated and you're being inspired and you're being activated. And so you're getting that blueprint over. That's, that's kind of my thought was we could write a book, but we're, we're doing it a different way. But as, as we've been going throughout the year, I'm like for readers, for, for people that love to sit there and just digest, let's write our version of, you know, like a, a rules for radicals. Like, what are we doing to to right this wrong, and and how are we paying attention to the wisdom that was passed down from the founding fathers, and doing our duty as citizens to make sure that we continue to pre- protect the freedoms that we love and and continue to see this country that we love thrive. And R- so rules for patriots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to jump into all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I just love what red, white, and blueprint is doing so much is because y- you are a 21st century version of what our founders were in the 18th century and not only what they were, but what they expected every generation uh, to do. Um, so I-, I think they'd be very, very proud of you. And when, after I, I joined and wrote the letter uh, and started to you know watch the episodes and, and just kind of look up, okay, how is mainstream media covering you? And I uh, listened to a podcast by the Los Angeles Times, and it made me so angry, uh, you know, on your behalf, because they just, it was a total hit piece. You know, they just took everything out of context and they, you know, basically just painted you guys as like a bunch of stupid hicks, you know, in Shasta County in Northern California, you know, on the boondocks, you know, a bunch of farmers, ranchers, you know, whatever, who didn't know what they're doing. But, you know, the antithesis is actually true. Um, you know, our, our erudite and very educated and well-spoken and eloquent founders would love, would love what you're doing. And, uh, you know, there's a there's a story that's true. It's not apocryphal. Uh, at, at the Constitutional Convention, Benjamin Franklin walked out uh, after, you know, they had put our Constitution together in Philadelphia in 1787. And a woman walked by and said, you know, Mr. Franklin, what have you given us, a monarch, monarchy or a republic? And Benjamin Franklin said to her, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. And, you know, so within that, you know, we have the greatest structure, the greatest document I believe the world has ever seen in the Declaration of Independence and U.S. Constitution. Mm -hmm. So our founding fathers called it, it's Latin, they called it Novus Ordo Seclorum, a new order for the ages. And so they knew that America was an experiment in ordered liberty, because what they were doing was before then, you know, basically you had either a totalitarian regime, like some kind of crazy person 
in charge of the state, or you had something like a monarchy, you know, which was in Great Britain, obviously, King George III. So America, it was a historic reassignment of sovereignty from the crown to the people. And that's why that's why our, our constitution opens up with we the people. So instead of looking, you know, to the crown for authority, King George III, or okay, what's the latest dictator who's in charge of us? We the people have control over our destiny, our communities, our families, our churches, not the government. It was literally a historic reassignment that had never been seen in the annals of history. And so that's what Benjamin Franklin is saying, if you can keep it. And then as we, and we don't have time with all this stuff's going to be in the book. You know, I've got quotes lined up and action plans. uh, But as you go through, uh, you know, the historic leaders, they understood what Benjamin Franklin said. They understood what George Washington said in his inaugural address, that America is based on the preservation of the sacred fire of liberty. And it's an experiment entrusted to the hands of the American people. That's what he said in his first inaugural address. Then you go to Lincoln, who held the country together in the Civil War. And when he was 28 years old, and I just, you know, when I was 28 years old, I don't even, I could not even like think like this, but I guess God had, you know, preordained him to lead this country through the Civil War. So when he's 28 years old, he gives a speech where he says, America is not in danger by any of the, you know, surrounding nations at the time, uh, but we are in danger of death by suicide if we allow the silent artilleries of time to make us forget our founding. The silent artilleries of time. And that, and that's what you guys have said is, you know, the citizenry grows apathetic. You know, it's just like, oh, I don't know what's going on in these local elections. I only care about, you know, the White House. Well, the founders expected us to care about not only the White House, but our house, too. And so um, Ronald Reagan, you know, I, I graduated from uh, Pepperdine Law. So let's go from Lincoln to Reagan. Let's jump to him real quick, and then we'll, we'll jump back to some founders. But if there's one quote that I think epitomizes what RWB is doing, it's what Reagan said. And so if you go, if you ever go to Pepperdine in Malibu, you know, somebody had to suffer at law school in Malibu. So might, might as well be me, right? Overlooking the Pacific Ocean. But if you go to the very top of the campus, there's something there called the Heroes Garden. So Pepperdine, I'm really proud that they haven't gone the ways of, you know, some of these other elite universities just going complete leftist and hating America. Pepperdine still loves America. And so they have this Heroes Garden and they have these granite rocks and they have quotes, you know, etched into the rocks of some of our great leaders going back all the way to George Washington. But overlooking the Pacific Ocean, as you get to the edge of the Heroes Garden, is Reagan's quote, and it says this. President Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. And so, so see, there's, there's a generational call on all of us. You know, even though the founders gave us this beautiful structure of the document, it's our job generation to generation to keep the heart of that document alive. And that's what you guys are doing. And you're doing it with excellence. You know, that's part of the reason why I signed on, because I didn't want to, you know, 
write a book for somebody who's writing, you know, like a D level documentary, you know, but you guys do everything with excellence. It's so moving. It's so articulate. It's so eloquent, the music and, you know, everything that you do. So kudos to you and the Los Angeles times can go pound sand as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I just wanted to say real quick, Will, um, part of what we're doing, you were talking about us being free men, but besides removing bad politicians, is we're hoping to um, kind of deregulate the county, you know, get control of some of our local board, the building department, the health department. I mean, to me, how can you be a free man if you can't even build a shed on your own property? You know, we are really regulated to death. And I, I mean, how, how the heck did we get here to where we allowed them to tell us what color? I mean, it's almost like what color you can paint your house. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just terrible. Yeah. And, and man, that's one of the things I really hope to get turned around is like this, this massive, I mean, think about right now, look around this room and find me something that isn't regulated by the government. I know it's crazy. It's just not, it's not there. So <laughs> we're, we were never supposed to pay over 10%, um, you know, tax in total. And, you know, now we're paying who knows what, uh, that's I almost mean, our sales taxes. Tax. And then you have, yeah, you got sales tax, you got income tax, you've got, yeah. uh, you got to technically at the well we're we're going to pay it so we don't we don't want to give anybody any reason to mess with us but this uh table here that was built from scratch will we're going to have to value this at some kind of value and pay a percentage tax on it it's an asset this microphone right here we're gonna have to pay a tax on that but Um, it was it went back to the stamp tax though you know remember the stamp tax was I used to think it was a tax on stamps, but that's not what it was. It was they the king had to have his stamp of approval on your product as an American before you could sell it. And that was what caused the Boston Tea Party and all that. These Americans were like, man, you're not going to tell me what I can sell, you know. That's kind of what FPPC is doing. They're trying to tell us what it's the same thing. Some governing body saying, wait, I'm going to say if you can do that. Well, and a lot of it comes down to. You know, when they were shouting no taxation without representation, they were a bunch of people that came over to colonize the United States of America and then realized that they have no voice in England and they're being told what they can and can't do and what what taxes they have to pay. And I feel like one thing that's happening in in our county and a lot of counties is we aren't being represented. So if if this was, um, if, if this was, if we were shouting what the founders shouted, it would be no taxation without representation. You're taking a lot of our money, um, you know, between 20 and 50%, depending on how much money it's, it's you make. It's just a fee. It's not a tax. So, <laughs> and, you know, the, the country has become very, very broken. We live in, like, like right now, you know, you look at state tax that started in the early 1900s. It's supposed to be a wartime tax and go away. It never went away, and it just rose dramatically from there. And the state says, well, we use that money to pay for your health and human services, to pay for your schools, to pay for your interstates. And so what we'll do is we'll take that money, and then we'll make sure all those things go well. But then when we tell you what to do, you're going to do it. 
And if you don't, we're not giving you that money. Yeah, <laughs> like, you so owe, we're you owe we're it back. Well, well it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just you're like a the, slave to your debtors. I mean, it's, it's just like the thirty-four million, or I'm, I'm going off of memory here. But what was the amount of money that we were getting? So with the the ARPA funds, uh, will we our county? So it's the American Relief Plan Act, and out of the one point nine trillion dollars that Biden's administration passed, our county's take on that is thirty-four million. So it goes down to the state, and then the state divides it up, I believe, based on population. And they're saying, so your take is $34 million. But the contract, the, the agreement between the federal government, states, the counties, and anyone who shall partake of this, including businesses, is you have to sign this agreement that says between now and 2026. December 31st, 2026. Yeah, between now and December 31st, 2026. Um, you have to follow any and all federal, state, federal and state mandates that we pass, or you'll be subject to pay that money back. So for the next five years, if who knows, I mean, I'm not trying to get gross here, but what if one day they say, hey, we're going to have to anal swab you for COVID. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to be that. I'm just saying, you don't, you don't know you what is coming know, down yeah. the line, man. You don't know what they're going to tell you to do next. And so we're supposed to take this money and then say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do whatever you say for the next five years. You know what I'm saying? And and then we're, if we refuse the money, we're still responsible as us citizens, you know, at the, at the same point. So it's like, you're, Obviously, I w- if I was in a position of power, I would say we don't want your money. I mean, I try you to can't figure out- extort our county, and that, yeah. that it comes back to no taxation without representation. Like we're living within a broken system, but we can also say within this broken system, we still are have a foundation that's set up as the Constitution, where we do have elected representatives in our county, and are they are they echoing our voice or are they doing what they want to do? Because they feel like it's better for us. Well, yeah. Jer- Jeremy brought yeah, up uh, this question um, at the board of supervisors meeting, Will, and and um, you know he he said, "Hey, um, are you sure you want to take this money? Um, you know, there's are, are, we're just gonna have to bow down and follow all the the regulations and rules and mandates or whatever it is they they tell us that we have to do uh, from the state down. And you know, that's a long ways away. How do we know what they're gonna tell us what we have to do? And if we decide." one day that we don't want to follow those, then we're going to be responsible for paying all that money back. And they just laughed at him. They're like, "You." I think it was Modi, right? Yeah, he Modi said, said, "Are you suggesting? Are you we suggesting don't we don't take this money? Suggesting? Yeah, yeah." And he acted like like you were from Mars or something. I was yeah. like, "Yeah, that's what I'm suggesting." And the reality of it is, that's not part of our budget. That's not part of the 313 million dollars this year we're getting for health and human services from the state. That 34 million is probably going mostly toward salaries, benefits, pensions. I mean, that's where they spend most of the money anyway or hiring new jobs and then what happens next year when you don't have that that icing on the cake? You don't have that 34 million and you have a bunch of new positions. At some point, this is going to break. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I feel like we're living in a broken system and we have to navigate within that. But who are our representatives and are they going to be our voice in the midst of this broken system? Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that gets back to like originally it was we thought the blueprint was about the recall, you know, and we're going to track this recall. 
and it'll be show people how to do that. And I think it's really fun to watch it evolve because it's real time. So now we're talking at some depth. This isn't just about gathering signatures. You know, this is about lighting the fire that the patriotic spirit that they've tried to tell us that a bunch of Americans don't have, which is a lie. We care about this country. We're proud of our country and we're going to fight for it. And you're going to watch as that's, I've watched it come alive in friends that start falling myself. And it just keeps growing to where now people are activated enough to show up for an hour long meeting or listen to something regarding local politics or pay attention. And then it's just an incremental shift in lifestyle to where that becomes a part of me now. Because yeah. that's what my founder said. And these guys laid out this thing where I can just watch it and, and be entertained and then get away, walk away from that. I mean, how many times were we just completely inspired by movies in our lives? We've watched incredible movies and you're fired up and it could shift your whole spirit right there in that moment. Right. And it, seems, like it seems overwhelming. That. It seems overwhelming when you look at what it would take to get us back to the way America was originally intended. But I want to, we get to get Will back in here, um, yeah. but it's no more daunting a task than what the founders faced, right? Oh, I mean, they, they went through a lot more than our cushy lives right now. Well, yeah, but I'm not, I'm, they were no more tyrannized. I think we're more tyrannized today than they were back then. What do you think about that? Will you think you're, yeah, I think there's, you know, the, the and the founders, I, I totally agree with you, Woody. So that, you know, there's a challenge in actually, you know, doing a revolution and, and overthrowing tyranny, but a lot of them would say that the more difficult challenge is to actually keep the republic, you know, long term. Um, and, you know, what we're going on 250 years now in America. And, you know, this is a long time. You know, when you look through the annals of time, you know, how, how many, you know, you look at Rome, you look at England and all this other stuff. I mean, republics, you know, free societies do not last forever unless they're kept. And, and going back um, to your uh, question a few minutes ago, what do you know? How how did this happen? You know, how did government overreach happen? Uh, so the, the the founders, we had the Federalist Papers. I don't know if your audience has heard of those, but that was like a defense of the Constitution because the the Constitution had to give a strong federal government. But then what a lot of people don't know about is there's something called the Anti-Federalist Papers, and these were all the founders who were like, "Fine, we need a strong central government, unite the colonies to fight against England," but. We don't want to create such a strong central government that we lose the right, the individual rights of the people. And that is what led to the Bill of Rights and the first 10 amendments. And so in our original constitution, there's there's specific enumerated powers that are for a limited central government. There are not a lot of powers. And what ended up happening is I blame President Woodrow Wilson, who was a professor at Princeton, and when he came in, he kind of brought the ivory tower. We know better than you, you stupid citizens. You know, Yuck. we're intellectuals <laughs> and we can run the government better than you can in your locality. So he just like increased like all these bureaucratic entities like the FPPC, you know. So that was kind of the beginning. And then uh, FDR, uh, President you know Franklin Delano Roosevelt, as great as he was, you know, with World War II, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. He also, with the New Deal, he massively expanded yeah. welfare programs and government programs. And then once you create one of these, you know, beasts, that beast wants to be fed endlessly. Right. So I do have hope, though, because there is an answer, because what you guys are doing, you can stand up and you can say no. And it, you're, you're exactly right. It's not enough to do a recall because nature abhors a vacuum. So you recall these guys 
but then you got to put somebody good in their place or you can get somebody even worse, which is hard to believe, right? In your instance, but you, you have to get somebody in there who is going to adhere to the founder's vision for, for limited government and the strength of America. So let me go, let me go to this real quick. So there's a book, there's a massive book called Democracy in America by a, a French guy named Alexis de Tocqueville. And he came over in the early 1800s and he was supposed to study like the penitentiary system in America and report back to France because France went through its own revolution in 1789, a few years after us in 1776. And they were trying to figure out why did France descend into chaos? And, you know, they were slicing people's heads off of the guillotine. And then America is, you know, going on and it's peaceful. And so he, he wrote this massive book. He went way beyond the penitentiary system. And he said, America's strength is founded in its local families, churches, communities, and civic organization at the local level because they take personal responsibility for their government and they don't look to Washington. And, and that, that truism is held for today. So are we ever going to get you know, the national budget down from $30 trillion? I hope to God that we do. But even if we don't, what you're doing on the ground in Shasta County can make a huge difference for everybody that lives within the sphere of authority that's in Shasta County under the board of supervisors. So I, I have, I have a lot of hope. And, you know, with the book, what we hope is that we can replicate what you guys have done and truly provide a philosophical blueprint. You know, some of these ideas that we're talking about now, and then also, you know, a practical uh, blueprint on, okay, how do you actually do it? You don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to be a lifelong politician. You just need to be a concerned citizen to run for you know, school board or board of supervisors, et cetera, et cetera. And before, before I hand it over back to you guys, you know, the, I, I would be remiss uh, if I didn't say how inspired I was by Alyssa McEwen. You know, when I saw her in episode two, you know, the, this mom, you know, just going in there and standing up to these guys. I mean, if Alyssa McEwen can do it, it should inspire moms and women across America to get involved in local citizenry. So I just applaud you guys again for what you're doing. Yeah, I had a, I had a, I wasn't at that meeting, but one of my friends was, and uh, he came straight to the barbershop and, and I said, well, how'd it go? And he goes, dude, there was this lady. <laughs> this little mom you know in a dress and she grabbed a bullhorn and he he was just like so fired up about it and that was, that was pretty awesome she's really inspiring yeah and, you know and <clears throat> yeah we're just we're just a bunch of guys here you know they got passionate about something and and uh, none of us have law degrees, and you know we all went to school, but we're all brushing up on it right now. <laughs> I went to one semester of college in my life, and that that was it. I'm just a, someone with a big heart that is willing to get knocked down and get back up again, you know, uh, Rocky style. <laughs> and um, you know, and that that's all it takes. Is and Alyssa's just a regular. Per Everybody involved in this stuff is just a regular person that has heart, that's got some guts, got spine, and they're willing to stand up for what they believe in, and they're not willing to budge an inch. And it's not a matter of not listening to what somebody else has to say. You know, we all grow from from learning from other people, but. 
when you really know who you are and what your purpose is and you're willing to stand up for that, there there is a power to that that is beyond any degrees yeah. in college or anything like that, you know, and mm. and that's that's all it takes is just regular, ordinary, everyday average Joes or Jills or Alyssa's, you know, to to change this world. Well, I just I just want to say that that book I think could be really important, Will. I'm really excited that you're doing that. Um, you know, we're way behind the curve. The the Marxists and the socialists have had rules for radicals since the what was that when that early seventy late sixties, early seventies. Yes. Um and uh and they use it. Have you ever noticed oh, that yeah. the mainstream media anytime rules for radicals comes up, man, they squash it quick because they they don't they don't want you to know. They don't want, they don't you, want to know you to know their playbook. That is yeah, their playbook. Right. Oh, Hillary yeah. Hillary Clinton wrote her college thesis on Saul Alinsky's principles. I mean, they are going by it. Donnie Chamberlain does it all the time. That freeze them in place philosophy of if you are if you dissent against their their message, man, they attack you full bore. That they learn that in rules for radicals. So it is pretty interesting how we just don't attack like that. I don't know what it is, but like I, I feel like my best offense is complete, just a complete ignoring of them. Complete yeah. <laughs> ignore, yeah. But at the yeah. same time, like I, um, I'm, I, I love that we're thinking about this book uh, and getting ready to put pen to paper on an actual thoughtful defense for some of these things. Um, so, you know, even like with the L.A. Times, you know that reporter. I she interviewed me. She didn't use any of it because it wasn't. You know, I wasn't um, flying off the handle. You know, I was just yeah. like, she's like, I agree with most of what you're saying, but I'm writing a hit piece on you. <laughs> she didn't say that, but pretty much she yeah. said, she said, well, I, I know it's a broken system. She's like, I, I, I wrote stories in Sacramento all the time. And she's like, I agree with most of what you're saying, but why is it this uh, racist insurrectionist movement that you're joining with? And I said, that's not what it is. I have no idea what you're talking about. And she goes, well, that's what I've heard. And I'm like, it's not what it is. So I actually called her the day before our article, and I just said, don't do this. We have something really special going on here. Don't do this. What you're about to write is not truthful. And she said, Jeremy, I've already written it. What do you want me to change? I don't know what to tell you. And I said, you're writing a lie. Who have you interviewed? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Your piece on Woody being this crazy militia lord with you know uh like a tanks in his backyard or whatever like that he's he's only he's got two <laughs> tanks yeah no clue no oh, no sure. clue Klux clan uniforms <laughs> yeah he's the nice one of the nicest guys i've ever met and he he doesn't he doesn't hate anything except for um oppression of people of all of all people and he goes and he helps local law enforcement when they have a problem that's bigger than they can handle. Like, what? It, what? It, what's your? What is this story? What is this angle? And she said, "I've already written it." And then it came out like the next day, and I was just like, "Man, like it for them." It was a sexy hit piece, and I'm like, "There's a better story to tell." But thank goodness now that the times we live in, people realize, you know how. Uh, biased and, and how much how much selective enforcement happens, you know, with these uh, regulatory committees and you know and, and and the character assassination that goes along with these uh, news and media companies. So it's Just almost remember, a badge. We're going to win. We're going to win a, in the end. It's a badge of honor now. You know, I mean, the people that 
are paying attention, that are doing research, that are involved in trying to make the world a better place. You know, it's different than the people that just sit there and read CNN or listen to, you know, the mainstream media and and believe what they actually say. Um, The trust in media, the trust in government was way higher. I don't know the exact numbers, but I mean, for 20 three years now I've been researching globalism and, and trying to expose people to information and, and the amount of growth that has happened and, and, just in the last couple of years has been amazing since uh, uh, COVID has happened. And, and there's been a lot of growth before that, but I mean, everything has accelerated like a hundredfold. I mean, people aren't talking about football anymore. They're talking about politics and, and, you know, all, all the divisiveness that's, that's being perpetuated on us through, um, you know, the mainstream media, the movies, the, 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 every aspect the schools you know every aspect of our life so i think we're in a different time now where people are are really can see through that stuff so you know i i almost think that it has a, a reverse effect you know when they do these types of things you know um you can look at um corporate sponsored um programs that have you know hundreds of millions of dollars invested in them and you could have one person that pulls over and just tells the truth for a couple minutes and they get more views than the super bowl you know i remember when there was a guy it was a it was a uh, not that race matters but it was a black uh, uh law enforcement officer and he pulled over and he just started telling the truth and he had more views in in uh one week than the super bowl did and look how much money is behind that and all the hit pieces in their ads and everything. And I'm just saying the truth is so powerful. It, is. it cuts through all this BS. Well, one thing, last thing I want to say, I know we're over time, but John showed um, on our podcast the, the Nuremberg hangings um, a few weeks ago. And what a lot of people don't know is some of the folks hung that day were the media because they had helped cover up the crimes and the lie and and I think in our own country, there's there's a day coming that the media will have to pay in one way or another. I'm not saying we're going to hang them. I'm saying that they will pay. You know, those media platforms will either just be wiped off the face of the earth and people will demand true media. But in one way or another, if it doesn't yeah. happen in this lifetime, they're going to have to answer to God one day. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I have faith that things will play out the way they're supposed to. I think there's enough people involved in trying to fight for freedom and liberty and, and stand up for what is right. You know, I, I my intuition tells me it's going to play out right, but I don't have a crystal ball. But one thing is for sure, they're not going to be able to escape, you know, after this, this uh, shell of a body, you know, this vessel that we're um, in right now. Once that's gone, they're going to have to deal with God and, and um, you know, People are going to make their choices, and you better be willing to uh, to uh, own up to it in yep. the end. Yep. Hey, I just want to say, Will, thank you so much for coming on with us today, but also for our friendship and for you, you know, basically joining joining Red, White, and Blueprint and, and helping us write this book. And um, we we want to honor you. You're a wealth of knowledge. You've you, uh, like even I've I've been gaining all your knowledge all year, but the guys right now are just absorbing, and we definitely want to have you back on the show, and just want Absolutely. to thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah, Nick. And next time, um, 
We're going to be a lot more quiet and just let you talk for 30 straight <laughs> yeah. minutes, Will. I know. I've got like five questions on deck for Will I'd like to fire. Yeah. But let's, we'll go way we'll over time. Yeah, schedule. we got to get you back on, man. I appreciate everything you're doing and what you stand for. And it's just so refreshing to find patriots of your caliber all over this country. Yeah. So appreciate rare it. to Thanks, find Thanks, brothers. I'll come back on anytime. It's my honor. Keep fighting the good fight. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Will. See Thanks ya. so much. Appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Catch us on... Uh, are we still on? Catch us on where are we at, guys? Um, Facebook, Apple YouTube, Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Spotify. Um, you can find all Rumble. everything that we do. Oh, Rumble, sorry. Facebook, Apple, YouTube, Spotify, Rumble. Um, you can find everything that we do on mountaintopmedia.com. Um, in case we get censored anywhere else, go there. Yeah. Yeah. They, we they, are, they, we they, do our best to secure that website. It's on our own private servers. Yeah. Smash the like button. Um, share our content. Uh, support us by um, you know going and buying a shirt or a hat or this and that. But most importantly, share our content and get it out there. That's the most important thing. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Thanks, guys.